when I read this, uh, however many weeks ago this came out, I went through so many stages with this. When I saw Once Per Turn, I was losing it. It was over. I was done. And then I was like, all right, at higher levels, it goes up. Thank, thank God. Because you it cast does more damage, spells yeah. at higher levels automatically as a warlock. <laughs> the warlock class and then bam, it's over. I'm done. It's ruined. Welcome to Monsters and Monster Class. I'm Eliotti. I'm Jared Bornigal. And I'm Will Melden. And on this episode, we are taking a look at the new Warlock from 1D&D that came out in the recent UA The Player, ha- Player Handbook Playtest 5 packet. I'm releasing here in early 2023 if you're popping into this, like years from now, because um, I'm sure there'll be different discussions to be had. Um, we already kind of briefly talk- gave our overview thoughts on this in a general overview video. Links at the top if you haven't checked that out of the entire playtest packet and we did talk about warlocks a bit but now we're going to dive in depth in our usual fashion going through each feature dissecting them that sort of fun stuff so stick around yes so let's just start off on kind of the the very basics of what has changed with the warlock and that is that and and we'll get more into the spell casting talk about it in detail but i think this entire conversation really needs to start here and that is packed magic has disappeared and Warlock spellcasting has been replaced with what is a more classic half-caster spell progression, meaning that they no longer get their spell slots back on a a short rest. Uh, This is going to have effects on just about everything from invocations to their their class progression. Uh, So I feel like even though that's not, you know, level one thing talked about, it really does need to be brought up pretty, pretty early on here. So let's go ahead and start with the first level stuff, Uh, The changes to skills, proficiencies, most of that isn't really different, uh, but we do have one change, and that is a new proficiency in medium armor by default. Uh, Before, this is something that you'd have to, believe, take packed weapon to Uh, even get. It was Hexblade was the only way to get medium armor. There we go. Uh, And this overall seems to be a, a direction moving away towards needing Hexblade as a class. We'll see if that ends up coming through. We only get one subclass in this playtest, uh, and Hexblade was in Xanathar's anyways, so I doubt we'll see it in the player's handbook. Uh, but medium armor going to the Warlock obviously is beneficial to both spellcasters and ones looking to go the, the martial route, uh, but not sure if there's any larger changes that uh, you all can think of with them getting medium armor. I do just like the design philosophy, because from the ground up, Warlocks were built as having the option to be um, kind of melee martial class with spell casting with the pack of the blade feature being in there from the beginning um, in the player handbook, but then they can only get light armor. And then it almost felt like if that's what you wanted to do, you had to play Hexblade and miss out on the other options. Otherwise you were like super far behind because pact of the blade just wasn't enough on its own. And this is one of the steps to make that more viable to be a melee martial focused warlock without having to be a hex blade warlock. And then there's some other, another feature that we'll get to soon here that does that as well. So overall, I'm, I'm a fan of that change. I know it seems really small, but I think it just really does open up that kind of flexibility. Yeah, I think it, it is interesting in terms of the multi-classing, making Warlock a potentially strong pick because of the fact that now you can choose which primary ability you want to use depending on the packed boon that you pick, which yes, I'll just use too. as a segue here. Um, the the packed boons now with 
Blade, Chain, and Tome allow you to choose your spellcasting ability. So with Pact of the Blade, you can use Wisdom or Charisma. With Chain, it's Intelligence or Charisma. And then Pact of the Tome, it's Intelligence or Wisdom, actually not even giving you Charisma as an option officially. So that does mean giving medium armor at first level has some multi-classing implications because a wizard could take a one level dip into warlock, do pact of the tome or pact of the chain, whichever one makes more sense uh, and then use intelligence. It's very easy for them to, to justify that dip. Uh, I don't have really a strong opinion as whether or not that's good or bad, but it definitely changes things up. I'm always for more synergy like that with multi-classing because I mean, we're the, we're the multi-class podcast, so obviously we like it. Well, two out of three of us do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we do have somebody on the podcast who specifically yeah. has gone on record saying, I hate multi-classing. Everyone who multi-classing is a big nerd. Everyone who multi-classing is big nerd. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for backing that up. So I just like opening that up more. Um yeah, specifically with Pact Boons, they also come online at first level now. Yes. Previously, you got your subclass at first and Pact Boon at third, and they swapped it, uh, which I'm okay with. It's Subclass at third is more in line with, it's 100% in line with what 1D&D is doing. It's all classes now. It's subclass at third, which I pros and cons with that, that just general kind of design philosophy switch in general, but it does. weird from a from a role-playing perspective. I don't like subclasses coming online at third. But from a mechanic standpoint, I love that it's it's at least consistent across the board that everyone gets it at third. Makes it a yeah. little more easy to explain, but it still feels odd, right? Like we talked about that with paladins where they take this big oath at third level. And so what are you doing the first two levels? Or do you not have mm-hmm. that, that oath or are you just kind of dabbling with your oath? And it's the same thing with the warlock here where usually when you think of a warlock, there is some massive event that occurs, right? That, that ties you to this patron. It's not something usually that you're just kind of dabbling in and then it fully unlocks at third level. You obviously can play it that way, especially with like Pact of the Tome or something where you you, know, you find a book and you're you're looking through it and you're like, oh, wow, this is really interesting stuff. And ooh, I'm gaining power from this. And then at third level, you fully form that connection and, and fully make that that dedication, if you would. But it does kind of railroad you into that instead of if it is at first level you have the the full openness mechanically i like it a lot because there's just it's such a common design thing and it just has a satisfying feeling of it if you start out general then as you get higher you specialize into something that even goes beyond games um role play wise i think there's plenty of ways to do it. i i agree if you paladin falls short and feels a little weird i think cleric does too because they don't really give you anything in the first two levels warlock i think is a good template of how to handle it where the pack boon does cover that because with the packed boon you are picking basically what your patron is and the idea is it's kind of like this light contract initially of you receive a boon from this patron and then as you've proven yourself to them you enter a full pact with them and get that subclass at third level and it's just kind of so yeah it does kind of kick that big moment a little bit down the line but not really like yeah and also if you're just starting like a new campaign you're coming in with a character a lot of campaigns or adventures just don't start at level one you start at level three is a really common one anyways skip the first two we always do that and then it doesn't even matter 
Yeah, it's definitely not the end of the world. And as I said, the fact that it's consistent across all of the classes now, it's like that's that's just the way it is. You kind of have to to deal with it. And it it is worse for for other uh, classes. So, yeah, it's but yeah, for it's like, whatever. Yeah, Paladin and Cleric and probably others, they, they need something they get right away at first that like connects them to a god or an oath in some way that kind of like start them down that path and then really commit a third. Um, so something else with the the pact boons that is is pretty big change here is that Eldritch Blast and Hex now become class spells, things that that you just automatically get for the warlock. I think that was a very common thing discussed because Eldritch Blast always felt like such an obvious pick for the warlock. Um, Hex, I'm a little on the fence about. I don't really love the Hex spell, and I don't know if we want to talk about that now or later, uh, but definitely. Pretty interesting that that they've made them now class features. It allows them to integrate more subclass abilities or even these packed abilities into whatever your your Eldritch Blast or or Hex is. Um, now that it's assumed you'll have it. Why don't you like the Hex spell? I think Hex is a little underwhelming. Um, it's it's 1d6 damage, which is not really a Hex. And then the disadvantage on an ability check just doesn't come up often enough to really feel like it's worth the concentration. Uh, It's great if you have a grappler in the party, but otherwise it only comes up on things like counter spell and dispel magic if the spell level's higher. Uh, And then you have to specifically Hex on that, you know, intelligence, charisma, wisdom, whatever that spellcaster is, which means you have to know what their spellcasting ability modifier is. It's, it's overly situational, and for something that should be a hex, you know, the idea of, of cursing somebody, it ends up not feeling like a curse and just feels like you're giving yourself extra damage. Fun fact, it's no longer useful for grappling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is Those a fun are saving fact. Throws, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it, then my point just grows. It's, it's really not interesting to, <laughs> yeah. to give disadvantage on ability check in combat. I the hex okay part with- was always shit. And it's still shit. You're right. Yeah, I was okay with it in fifth edition because it's a D6 in every attack roll. So like if you as you're even just like if you're doing three Eldritch Blast rolls at level 11, that's an extra 3D6 damage. Um, it's I mean, it's pretty much it's on power of Hunter's Mark, which is very much seen as a staple of the Ranger. And so now Hex is kind of the staple of the Warlock. I don't like how similar they are, though. I think a little more unique. This would have been nice. Um and I also agree the con- concentration can kind of suck because there are other cool spells to concentrate on. In one D and D here, they change text so it's one D six once per turn. Everything else is the same, best I could tell, and so that really sucks. Mm-hmm. That also makes it just super not worth it. When I read this, uh, however many weeks ago this came out, I went through so many stages with this. When I saw <laughs> once per turn, I was losing it it was over <laughs> i was done and then i was like all right at higher levels it goes up thank thank god because you it cast does more damage, spells yeah. at higher levels automatically as a warlock <laughs> the warlock class and then bam it's over i'm done it's ruined that's it was a about where i'm at it, it's really not worth it i've never once heard somebody say to that like like, oh man, I, I would love to cast some other fifth level spells, but I just, I need to use Hex at fifth level so I can maintain concentration for 24 hours. It's just not a good use of your concentration. It, it's silly. And in the same way that I have the the feeling with like uh, favored foe being concentration, it's like, maybe if this is going to be a class staple, 
maybe it just doesn't need to be concentration. And then we can balance the damage around it not being concentration. Um, Let's go into what we were talking about, where they gave you Eldritch Blast and Hex as class feature spells. Mm-hmm. This is great. Now they can modify Hex and Eldritch Blast without worrying about it not covering most Warlocks or whatever. They, they kind of did this. They kind of did this in the expanded invocations list from uh, whatever that Tasha's. Yeah. Where you could like follow people that were hexed. That was dope. Yeah. You could teleport as a bonus action behind the hex target. That's Mm -hmm. not, they haven't gotten all that stuff in yet. I assume it's going to be coming. It's sad that it's mixing. There, There are some things, but there's nothing all that cool in there. Yeah, with it being a so something that is baked into the class now, you almost expect that though. So them not having it is like, if this is all we have to go on, then then why is Hex here? Why why am I supposed to be excited about having Hex as part of this when I can't even modify it? In the same way that Eldritch Blast, it was always cool. There were so many invocations to modify your Eldritch Blast. And I say so yeah, many, they- but people usually ended up taking the same like two, which was Agonizing Blast and... Uh, the the one that like yeah pull or push them but yeah that's all been fixed we'll get there but yeah yeah, (laughs) the class features should have extended hex you should have invocations you should be able to give disadvantage on even high level stuff like attack rolls and saving throws that would be absolutely nuts for like a 18th level class feature (laughs) hint hint (laughs) <laughs> but uh, they, yeah this this is where they kind of struck out and so spoiler alert they don't really get this right uh but so then the actual meat of the pact boon or yeah pact boon is the different choices you can make of the uh pact weapon pact of blade pact of the chain and pact of the tome they now give you this is when you pick the spellcast ability as talked about and then they give you a pact spell which is just replacing the features that were written in fifth edition so it's just kind of we talked about it in the uh overview one where it just seems kind of a bit of a messy design choice making these spells but whatever i guess um so yeah, I guess you can have your pact gives... weapon dispelled now it's a little weird yeah i guess you could gross <laughs> okay so um Pact of Blade gives you Pact Weapon, which is a cantrip. It's a casting time of one action and it's duration 24 hours. So it's just something you could redo this over and over. Where you, it's same sort of flavor. You create a Pact Weapon. It can't have the heavy property. Or you could be holding on to a magic weapon that doesn't have the heavy property and make that your Pact Weapon. Um, this is a very much beefed up from 5th editions where it doesn't give you a ton of cool stuff. It's more about summoning it into your hand and then opening up invocations for it. Um, this one gives you just straight up that slot of Hexblade features such as Eldritch Warrior, where you could use your spellcasting ability to modify attack rolls and damage rolls instead of strength or dex. So again, another step in the direction of not having to go Hexblade to make a melee or martial focused um, warlock. Yeah. So, Good step there. You also then proficiency in the weapon. That's the same. And returning weapon where you can... Um, actually, this was a little different. If the weapon has the thrown property, the weapon returns to your hand immediately after hitting or missing a target. So again, just kind of more of their changes of trying to get thrown weapons a little more viable. If that's something you want to do. It does then upgrade at fifth level where you then automatically get extra attack. Um which just works like any other extra attack, which is really nice where you don't have previously had to pick an invocation. It was very much an invocation tax. If you were trying to be a, be a martial focused warlock, you pretty much had to take that invocation. Otherwise you're falling behind. It's it now also all automatic. 
Sorry, it was also at yeah. six level though. Oh, the, it was. that invocation was only available at sixth. So yeah, we're making it a little more in line with your marshals. So I yeah. I like that. I it I think it works well with the other changes. Yeah. All right, then Pact of the Chain gives you the Pact of Familiar, the Pact Familiar spell, which is all again very similar in flavor where you get a special familiar. Um you pick the type of it, like aberration, celestial, dragon, fey, fiend, or whatever, and you do that when you cast the spell. And this is another cantrip that costs an hour to cast. So you, you could kind of do this over and over and over again if you want. Um, if you change it up, the it's the same familiar. Like it just morphs in the new one. It has the same memories and stuff like that. It now acts on your turn immediately after your initiative. Was that different? That is different. Okay. Yeah, I just played a warlock it's... and the familiar officially was supposed to have its own initiative. Oh, right. Because you just get the find familiar spell. Yes. Previously, yeah. So yeah, then it that very much has its own initiative, which is messy, and I do not like that. So that's a little cleaner and very common. What you see with like companions and summons and beasts and stuff you could control, and it will either take the dodge and move action, unless in this case you use your reaction to command it. It's supposed to do your bonus action, which is a common thing we see. I kind of like that. Free up your bonus action, which warlocks do have some uses for, and uses your reaction, which you usually don't have a ton for. You just save it for the familiar's turn. Um, how it dies and all that's kind of the same at fifth, all these get like an upgrade at fifth. You can communicate telepathically with your familiar as long as you two are on the same plane of existence. Additionally, while perceiving through your familiar senses, you could also speak through your familiar in your own voice. Also, there's no longer a limit on the remote viewing. The find familiar spell has a hundred foot limit on remote viewing. This one is just on the same plane of existence. So another actually, no, it doesn't even say that as a magic action, you can see where your familiar sees and hears. Yeah. It doesn't even have that limitation. So once again, we are seeing a time where a invocation is no longer necessary. The investment of the chain master was one that I think was that come around in Tasha's investment of the chain master. Uh, not entirely important right now, but it like beefed up your familiar so that you could, you know, command it as a bonus action to take the attack. Well, now you can really do that as a reaction and it's baked into that pact of the chain. Um, so a couple of these things where it's just, it no longer feels like you have to, uh, take the, the invocation. Um, I think we also see it with the saving throw. If it forces one, does it force one with the actions? Eldritch strike just does damage. That's all that it does. Yep. That sounded nice and rambly. I don't know where to start from that. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of lost me. I'm not sure what you're trying to say. I'm trying to say that investment of the chain master is no longer necessary because you can use a reaction to command the attack. Uh, but we do still have a couple of things being lost because find familiar doesn't force a saving throw anymore with investment of the chain master. You could use you know, your, your spell save DC instead of the creatures spell save DC or save DC on whatever that ability was, but the familiar pack familiar just takes away any saving throws entirely. So it's kind sure. of just a, a change on its it, entirely. So yes, you don't need to take the invocation anymore, but that's also wow. because the familiar is just not as strong. No, these just replaced it with favor of the chain master. I don't think investment of the chain master is currently in here at all. So I guess we're right. jumping on a little bit, unless I'm missing it again, just how this is organized. It was really hard to quickly search it and keep it all in your head i'm not seeing investment of the chain master listed here yeah with favor of the chain master it gives each familiar type something like that um like slowing slime guiding lights draconic might um but that's now a ninth level thing instead of a first level yeah yeah so or second spoiler level. alert they gave you a stat block you get a stat block yeah yep which is it's, in line with all summons 
Yeah, that's the direction they're obviously going to go with everything. It's a little flavorless, but I'm glad they did add, as you said, this now ninth level thing where you turn whatever type you have into a thing that you can use. You get your little abilities. It is a little late, but it's, I mean, they're pretty good. They're fun at least. Yeah. Yeah, the stat block, we're not going to read it. It's... But it's kind of basic what this, what you would expect out of like so many stat block now where things increase by your like spell cast humidify, your proficiency bonus, or spell level, um, with like AC and hit points, couple condition immunities. They have a basic attack, which is like two plus half your warlock level to hit, and then it does the damage type based on what it is. Like aberrations do acid slash shields, do radiance. Um I'm sorry, it's your spell attack modifier to hit and does then for damages two plus half your warlock level on a hit. And then it could also turn invisible. So it's nothing all that exciting. It's yeah, they definitely took away the uniqueness with the stat block. It's a pretty good use of like your reaction easy. though. I mean, instead yeah. of it being a bonus action, mm-hmm. it's free damage. And then if you take that ninth level ability, it can be pretty useful. The big thing though is the the health. I believe that's higher now too. I know, like, the five yeah, familiar spell, they all have one health. I think Warlocks get something boosted to that, or maybe that's where they have to take one of the... Warlocks get to pick their uh, special ones. So you get, like, a Quasit, for instance, which is... Which has, like, seven being, HP. Yeah, it has right. seven HP. It's it, Which is, you know, seven times more than a regular Owl, but it's still... <laughs> it's still one hit, anything It doesn't really level. matter mm-hmm. in the long term. Yeah. This one still is not much. It's five plus your Warlock level. It's better at... So, like, at level 20, it's 25 health. That's still kind of one-hit territory. Yeah. Yeah, not much to do about that. Yeah. It's AC's higher, though, too, I'm pretty sure. 10 plus your spellcast and ability modifier. Definitely higher, Actually, that caps out of 15. Never mind. It's ability modifier, not spellcasting attack roll. So, the proficiency is better. It actually caps out of 15. It's still bad, but it's better. Yeah. Well, yeah, it doesn't cap out at 15, at level 20 at least, because that, that is a big thing now, is that you're kind of expected to boost your spellcasting ability modifier, usually past plus five at level 20. But most of the time, you're right, it's going to be 15 for 90% mm-hmm. of play. 98% of play. <laughs> 93.7% of play is going to cover this. <laughs> yeah, overall, I don't like the pack familiar changes. Um Why? But, but I was also not a huge fan of them in 5th edition either, where there just felt like a real lack of usefulness. These things were very fragile, died easily, but then you're like sinking like a whole major class feature into them, so you just get really protective of that familiar, and then they're not used a ton. Like we're seeing that right now in our campaign where one of our players multi-class to a warlock, took Pact of the Chain, she even got a special familiar kind of made for her, working with you, Jared. And it's like, it's almost never used because it's like really situational what you would use that on and she doesn't want it to constantly just be killed. I will we'll see if it gets used more. A lot of fights we've had recently with it being literally underwater um, made that a bit difficult to justify using the familiar. Um, we'll, we'll see long term. I've used a Pact of the Chain Warlock. Actually, I've played one most times I've played a Warlock for whatever reason. And when they have a good saving throw ability combined with that investment of the Chain Master, being able to force a saving throw can be really great. Um, I believe the 
Uh, which one is it? Okay, there it is. Um, the pseudo dragon has a, a really cool ability, which is the sting. And if the target fails a DC 11 constitution saving throw become poison for one hour. If they fail by five or more, the target falls unconscious for the same duration. Obviously that DC 11 is nothing impressive, but combined with the investment of the chain master that made it extremely worthwhile to use your bonus action to either poison them, which alone is really great, uh, especially since they don't get an additional saving throw. It's just, they're poisoned forever. And then if you can make them unconscious, it was borderline overpowered. Uh, but that's kind of one situation. I didn't feel like, you know, Imp and Quasit and Sprite all had equally as powerful things. We are not seeing that, though, until ninth level now, regardless. So it's okay. definitely a, a just a different comparison. And these are just riders on their attacks, and none of them are, like, that strong. It just, it still hits for a pretty small amount of damage, and then, like... Right. I mean, I'm sure the target target has a poison condition until the end of your next turn. Like, so I guess that's kind of there, but um, for the, the pseudo dragon, it's poison for one hour. No, I'm right. talking it about was in broken. one D and D. Oh, no, oh, in one D and D, in one D and D. That's what I'm saying. And currently in one D and D. So yeah, I guess I was kind of going saying I didn't love it in fifth. Sure, there's some situations you can make it work in your advantage, um, but now in here they kind of took most of those away. Also, like the ability to cast touch spells through the familiar is gone because this is not the fine familiar spell it's its own unique thing now and it does not say it does that so it doesn't do it that is sad that's a that's a really yeah. hard thing to lose because i think that's that's one of the best parts of it being able to get that positioning yeah so, so yeah I, know, I would almost rather go like book of shadows pact of the tome and like pick the fine familiar spell and then and get the other things pact of the tome gives you well let's talk about what pact of the yeah. tome gives you I was going to say. All right. So that gives you the, the Book of Shadows, which is now a cantrip, which feels weird, but whatever. I'm not going to keep being that one to death. Um, <laughs> one hour to cast. So you can redo this within a day because it's just a cantrip. When you cast it, you um, get additional cantrips and ritual spells. So when the book appears, choose two cantrips and choose two first level spells that have the ritual tag. Um, they can be from the Arcane Divine and Primal spell list, so any spell, really, which is nice. And they must be spells you don't already have prepared, which makes sense. I don't know why you do this if you already have them prepared. Well, this book is any person. You have the chosen spells prepared. You could use it as spellcasting focus, and then it upgrades at fifth level. You know, when the book is any person, you could add your Warlock spellcasting ability modifier to the damage rolls of any cantrip you cast that doesn't already have that modifier added to its damage roll, which is a nice feature. So... It's similar to what uh, the Pact of the Tome gives you in 5th edition, but in 5th edition, it's just cantrips. You get three cantrips, and that's really all it does. I think you could use it as a focus, but it doesn't like up damage or anything like that. Just three cantrips from any list. And then there's invocations to be able to get like ritual stuff in here. This just gives that up front. So again, less of a ritual tax. You still get two cantrips, and then the two first-level spells that have a ritual tag is nice. And then again, upgrading the cantrip damage is nice for the Warlock. Yeah, it makes it so that you don't need to take something like Agonizing Blast yeah. at, you know, fifth level to make your Eldritch Blast, I'll say, worthwhile. Uh, really, it just makes it extremely strong, which is fine because we all love Eldritch Blast. Right. So this is actually very interesting because the lack of tax actually really helps if you are still going for the Supercaster Warlock. Because back in the day, the Pact of the uh, Tome was how you fleshed out the fact that you could only cast like two spells 
per day if your DM wasn't passing out short rest like candy. You had no utility as a warlock, so you got it through the Book of Shadows or the Back to the Tomb. Now you lose the requirement to get that uh, invocation to make your hex worthwhile so you can use the new features to get even more spells. So this really feeds back into itself. Um, the only thing, and we brought this up, I think, in the overview, is it just starts banking it samey to the wizard. There's still that's that issue going on of all these like casters are starting to just be, be pushed closer and closer together and feeling really similar. And this is just another one of those things. They could be, if you go back to the tome, you could become an intelligence caster. You pick Book of Shadows. You could pick from the arcane list. Well, warlocks do that. Anyways, get additional spells, additional cantrips. The ability to, with just one hour of time, and you can even do it this middle of the day, so it's actually, I think, a little even better than what wizards can do, change these spells as well. So it's like, makes you like a pseudo preparation caster with some different styles of flexibility. Um, I guess they have to be first level though, so that it's keep it limited. It's just, again, just kind of pushing towards. That's actually kind of interesting because you're right with the casting time of one hour. And it's not like this is a once per day thing you can cast. You can really have every single ritual spell in the entire game. Just as long as you have enough time to prepare it at first level, every single first level ritual spell. No, the book disappears if you cast the spell again or die. So every time you cast it, it just like replaces it. That's what I'm saying though. But yeah. like if, if a situation arises and oh, you're okay. like, ooh, yeah. I wish I had this first level ritual spell. As long as you have the time, you can get access to it, which mm-hmm. is something I really don't like. I don't like when things can just be solved with, oh, we've got enough time. Uh, it puts a lot of pressure on the DM to constantly make time crunches, which often restricts the freedom of choice in role-playing, and I, I really don't like time crunches unless it is a, a specific event. Um, so not not really huge on, on that. I feel like if this wants to be somewhat limited, this needs to be like a once per day you can cast this spell, and then you're at least stuck with those spells that you choose in the morning. Yeah, there, there's not a ton of ritual stuff, though. No, like, there's like not. alarm, um, comprehend languages, find familiars on there. But comprehend languages is Identify. an entire invocation. Well, okay, that's that's to read things, I believe. But yeah, it it still just feels wrong to me to just like again, you you've got enough time. Great, I can switch things out and have whichever ritual makes sense here. I think identifies on that list too, isn't it? As a first level, mm-hmm. so that's a huge one. I mean, identify gets tons of use in our game at at minimum. But I feel like that's yeah. one that most people do. So um, I don't know. Not yeah. not huge on that. It's also a kind of weird replacement for the Book of Ancient Secrets packed feature where you could you used to be able to do the wizard book thing where you could inscribe new stuff. That's not really there anymore. Oh right. You could learn new rituals, yeah. Which was it was always at the best of the DM whether you actually ever got anything, which yeah. is frustrating for a lot of people. So but I, I generally agree that the hour thing, it seems weird and it seems like a thing that should be per day. Yeah, like a cantrip that's cast on a long rest. <laughs> or more just like a class feature where it says you can do this once per day after a long rest. Yeah. Just oh, no. <laughs> but then you have to put all of them back into the class features. Whatever will we do? You said there weren't like too, too many. Just to go through really quick, because there's 
probably about a dozen or so uh, first level ritual spells, alarm ceremony, comprehend language, detect magic, detect poison, find familiar floating disc, identify illusory script, purify food and drink, speak with animals and unseen servant. I would say that's actually a lot of situations able to be covered. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. All right. So pack boons, obviously a lot of changes to that. I think the, the big, at least my big takeaway is that they tried to balance them out a little bit maybe succeeded in some spots, but also tried to take away the need to choose an invocation for each of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, In terms of the spell casting, this we talked about at the the front, obviously major change here of them no longer being packed magic. Um, I'd say that, you know, them being preparation casters is different, but they can only change their prepared spells on a level up. So that's really one. It's just, yeah. I don't know why they call them prepared spells. It's it's Sim- not. It's spells known, and they can, it's exactly the same. On a level up, they can swap one spell they know with another of an appropriate level. It is no different. I don't know why it says prepared. I don't either. Yeah. Uh, we missed terms- that on the overview, so sorry about that for the confusion there. In terms of the spells known, it is on paper the same amount in their class progression at the exact same times. Uh, Mystic Arcanum, the invocation will change that up a little bit. Um, I don't know if we want to go through absolutely every Eldritch invocation, but that is what the the second level thing is. Say no change there from the perspective of you get two invocations at second level. Uh, The only immediate thing to talk about without getting into the individual invocations is that you now get an additional invocation at 11th level instead of 12th level. So your progression is just a little bit faster in those mid tiers so that you end up with nine at the capstone, if you would, uh, instead of eight. So that ends up really having a lot of, we'll say mathematical, uh, implications in terms of how many invocations you can take when you can take them what you're taking because mystic arcanum is now a a pretty major invocation that warlocks are are going to be taking at least once or twice if not more uh one big thing with invocations any that's kind of covered by mystic arcanum of like you get like a higher level spell they just got rid of it so that kind of cleaned up the list a lot a lot of them are the same or tweaked a bit but these did definitely add some kind of like big new ones for the packed boons. So actually it was kind of interesting. We were saying like they take away the invocation tax by like putting a lot of those invocations into the packed boon at first level. They just put new stuff in. So they're still kind of there. Like the favor of the chain master that we talked about. Um, also a nine, like gift, these are all nights too. Gift of the protectors, which is um, you need a packed of the tome one where um, new page appears in your book of shadows with your permission. A creature can use its action to write its name on the page, which contain a number of names. Oh, this is actually the same. When, any creature whose name is on the page is reduced to zero hit points, but not killed outright. The creature magically drops to one hit point instead. That actually already exists, but it's still just like a really solid feature. Kind of feels like a bit of a of attacks. Um, ninth level life drinker for Pact of the Blade is. I don't know. I think it is the same. Where you do one d six necrotic damage extra on a hit, and in addition, to be first plus time charisma. you. Oh, okay, yeah. Then you heal that back, which it, was it actually accidentally t- busted. It was also twelfth level, so now it's ninth. Because you addition, like you added five more, up to five more necrotic damage to a we- a packed weapon attack, which could also theoretically mm-hmm. add, and in practice, add whatever you're hitting with strength dex. So it was a little nuts. Now it's pretty toned down. 
Yeah, I remember that. I played a Hexblade. I think we were 14th level for like a kind of a mini adventure. And I took the yeah, Life Drinker and I was a Hexblade and all that stuff. And yeah, he hit hard. The improved packed weapon where you could do stuff with a heavy property. So two handed. I think they got rid of that, actually. Well, yeah, because there's no Hexblade now. So there's there's no way to get heavy. No, I think that was an invocation to be able to do that. Improved packed weapon was an old invocation where it allowed it lifted the restrictions on the packed weapon. You are correct, Which, yeah, because it would also allow you to do short bow, long bow, light crossbow, and heavy or yeah. heavy crossbow. So yeah, I'm wondering if that's going to live in the new hexblade class. We'll see. Depends on if if they even if bring they it even out. Have one. Yeah. See you in three years. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm personally fine if they don't because I feel like the current, it, like what they have with Pact of the Blade has allowed for enough martial growth that you can get that feeling of being a, you know, hex. Not a hex caster. What am I starting to say? A warlock doing melee uh, without it being so abusable by things like paladins. Uh, I guess it's still kind of pretty abusable because they can still do charisma. So I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll see it. We'll see. Right. <laughs> and then the big thing we should talk about with invocations is how it's Mystic Arcanum is now an invocation. And fifth edition, I kind of covered it. Mystic Arcanum is stuff they automatically get. I don't remember what level it starts, but it's that's what allows you to get higher level spells and you can cast it once per day for free. They basically made that an invocation. It works exactly the same, but now it's an invocation pick they have to pick again and again and again um and i really dislike that because it felt really necessary for the warlock class to get access to these higher level spells so they keep up as spell casters and they kind of lost that or you have to trade out your invocations for that that kind of like flexibility so i i do think that they've based on the slightly less invocation taxes which i i will stand by i think even those those ninth level ones are yes you're probably going to take them but they're not as required and the fact that you get one additional one from what i've seen it looks like with mystic arcanum as long as you don't just fully take every single thing as a mystic arcanum it kind of evens out if not works out a little bit better you're right you do have to switch out your invocations basically once you can get mystic arcanum at like uh fifth level from the the start you would take a third level spell because that's like the the highest level one but then as your warlock level increases and you get access to third level spells yourself you no longer need a mystic arcanum for third level so you swap that one out for whatever the the new current one is i guess what level do you get third level spells it's like seventh level Third level fifth? spells, fifth, yeah. For warlock? Oh, I just I just talking in general. Okay, yeah. For for a half caster, you get third levels at ninth. So at ninth level, you swap out the Mystic Arcanum that you would have had for a third level, and now you make it a fourth level. So right. it like constantly keeps you at that point where you're you've got access to the spell level that you need. And even at ninth level, you should be able to take an additional invocation to get that fifth level, uh, which puts you more on par with a, a full caster. So the I, I'm going to reference the the optimizer Triant Monk just released a video on the Warlock and the, the spell slot progression. I'll say it took me from a like, like, oh my God, this is absolutely terrible to like, 
okay. I think it actually works out all right. Um, basically showing that you you really only need to take Mystic Arcanum at 20th level four times for your invocations to be in that similar kind of three-fourths caster for a Warlock. Uh, and then you've got, at that point, five invocations to play with to you know meet your, your Warlock dreams of invocations. So that... With that idea of like only four Mystic Arcanum being taken to kind of match that uh, three-fourths caster doesn't bother me as much. I don't get that rumble in my tummy. So they're losing three invocation choices. Because in fifth edition, you get eight at level, if we're talking the mythical level 20, which doesn't have it anyways, you get eight invocations and Mystic Arcanum as just a free class feature. So you get an additional one, you lose your tax. So let's say that you get two free invocations in D&D one and you lose four. So what do you get? You get to be a half caster. Right. And being a half caster does obviously increase the spell versatility pretty substantially. So that's, this. I, I, I kind of agree with that this is fine. What I kind of don't like is that you do have to kind of hot fix your class as you go through the levels. So yeah. you are going to be swapping out uh, your Mystic Arcanums if you play this character even remotely optimized. It's right. And that's basically okay. every other level. So that's pretty frequent. It, and it, the nice thing is it lets you optimize well. It just adds a bit of complexity. But you do, it, it depends on playstyle. If you are a warlock, you get up to four spells per short rest in D&D 5. Now you get four spells by level five. Back in the day, it was level 17. Now, if you are able to bully your DM as a charismatic warlock, you should be able to do this. Theoretically, that's infinity spells. So my personal belief was <laughs> what they should have done. That? Oh, you're talking about with short rests? What they should have done is packed with the short rest. Whereas you could take a feature that let you roll a die. And if the DM said, no, you can't take a short rest, you could intervene and say, yes, I did. <laughs> I did not go this path. I think what you're saying from a, a uh, maybe layman's terms here is that a class feature that allowed them to just immediately get their spell slots back would have been pretty nice. And I agree. I think that yeah. was my original take as well, mm-hmm. was that something that was an like an, an action to get spell slots back twice a day. Then it just ignored the whole need for a short rest. So I, I don't agree or don't disagree. If, if that's where they wanted to keep things with packed magic, that's would have been a, a good direction for it. But I'm pretty confident that this half casting is going to stay. It's a gut feeling. I guess we'll see if I'm wrong. Sure. And mathematically, it could, of course, work out the same. They could also just made them full casters, and then there's no math to even work out. It's like, obviously, it it keeps them up as casters, but it just still just kind of slaughters that class uniqueness. It does slaughter the uniqueness. It It does. It does. does Making them half casters, not having the different kind of resource management game of coming back on a short rest. Okay, it does. You're right. It does definitely t- slash that uniqueness. I would say that with the invocations, it still keeps the the class presence of a, uh, a customizable. 
caster or even just a customizable class, which the warlock has yeah. always been, that stays very much. Because even if you want to, you could take literally no Mystic Arcanum and just go heavy into the the martial side of things. And that's kind of where I'd put like the, the Hexblade as, as that would have been. Uh, and, and you can still meet that class fantasy or you can do the total opposite, which is putting all of your invocations into the spell casting, taking Pact of the Tome, and then you then you do basically end up as a wizard. I wouldn't bother with that. But I guess having that option is okay for the most part. Sure. Yeah, it could still be... Warlock still has a uniqueness in the sense of being a customizable class with the Pact Boon subclass and then the invocations. But I mean, that that's shit I want to see in every class. <laughs> then and then so, but, Ellie, yeah. I love you. Play Pathfinder. Play Pathfinder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I have been having this debate with myself for obviously obviously we're we've been having it as well but just like yeah. every time i get that feeling that just it boils up and i'm like but i want this with every class and it's like but they're not gonna do it because that's right. not what this game is yeah and we have to live with that <laughs> and just just doing it and <laughs> and marshals aren't gonna get battle master features because wizards of the coast is afraid of scaring off new people with complexity and that leads to sure class distinction going away a little bit. So I think warlocks do get to retain some of it just with the choice because they do have that choice. And I'm hoping that we see more invocations that make me a little more excited about those choices because right now I'd say uh, I'm on the fence, you know, like things like Will was talking about of of being able to modify hex, which we're not seeing. Uh, those are the things that I think will will make it regardless feel different from a wizard and and that we're missing still. Sure. Okay. I can we I definitely can we like swerve off the highway real quick for uh, <laughs> one of Will's yell about things or ants? The answer is yes, we're gonna do that. Uh, so you can modify hex. When you cast hex, its range is six hundred feet and you have advantage on constitution saving throws to maintain concentration on the spell. This is the least cool invocation ever. I hate that. Yeah. I left it out Wait, on purpose. No, we're still, we're crashing down a hill. We're slamming into an embankment. At 18th level, we're skipping all the way there. You have mastered the hex spell. You can cast hex without expending a spell slot at first level. I'd rather make it concentration free, but. Agreed. I'd rather it, they just yeah. didn't do that. That sucks. If I'm casting it for free and it still sucks, it sucks. Make it yes. better. Yeah. It's, make it's it better easily... and then it's cool when it's free the most uninteresting capstone we've seen come out of, of one D and D so far. Yeah. Oh, that is their capstone. Cause it's 18th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Back it up. I did actually have an important point to make. Please um, do. About the class before, 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 right, driving back onto the highway. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I, I've definitely realized I've been really, really focused on the short rest casting of a warlock, their packed magic in terms of that's killing the class uniqueness. But you are right. There is that aspect there of the customizable kind of build your own class that warlocks still have. And that is still a unique uniqueness to them. So that is still there. I, 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 I agree with that. totally understand where you're coming from, too, though, because it it took me. I'm glad we didn't record the Warlock episode first. It took me. What is it out for two, three weeks now? This UA. It took a while for to just like sit on it and like really let it sink in. Just like is packed casting necessary for the Warlock? And I I feel like I've landed on no, not entirely, as long as invocations still stay strong. And I'm not saying that's been met. 
but it's it's what makes the warlock really the warlock more than the pack casting. Yeah, and the pack boon, and the pack boon. Yes, uh, we should probably they've move. made. Yeah, I say they made the pack boon even more impactful than they did in Feds. But yeah, we're about to say we should move on. This is getting very long. Yes, it is. Yep. So okay. third level, you get your subclass. We've kind of talked about that. We'll go over the subclass in a little bit here. Uh, fourth level is the same. Fifth level invocations. I'm actually just going to skip to when there's something interesting, and that is at eleventh level where we get the contact patron. Uh, this is in the past you have usually contracted your patron through intermediaries. Now you can communicate directly. You always have the contact other spell, uh, contact other plane spell prepared. With this feature, you can cast the spell without expending a spell slot to contact your patron, and you automatically succeed on the spell's saving throw. And you can only do this once per long rest. So we obviously play a very different game than I guess what a lot of people play. Because yes. at our table, our warlocks are like main, our warlock patrons are like main NPCs that are like a huge hand in that like character's life. They're constantly talking and going back and forth. And so now like this is trying to say you have to wait till 11th till you can actually talk to them because it's through intermittent. Like, I don't know, for us, this seems kind of like nothing. I don't like how this prescribes a uh a i guess a a feeling to the warlock patron instead of the current flexibility i feel in fifth edition if you want it to be some unknown far-off entity that you've got very little contact with then you can do that in fifth edition if you want it to be the chaotic fey entity of the forest who shows up on occasion and sits on your shoulder and says like hey here's an upgrade to your Eldritch Blast. You can do that. This like it, it puts a separation between that I'm I don't love as a class feature. And I also yeah. just don't like this being a free spell once per day. Contact other plane, it feels really weird and it's it's one of those that I don't know. It, it should be It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's either a lot or it's so, nothing. If you're doing the body comedy uh warlock thing where you have, you know, some random dude is the warlock patron. This is garbage, worthless, useless. But if you're, you know, the patron of, or the uh, warlock of Ismodius, the greatest of the devils, right? you shouldn't be able to call him every day. <laughs> Not at 11th level, at least. No, no. And, and compare it to the clerics, which often viewed as obviously a very, very powerful class, getting at 10th level the ability to contact their patron or their, their god. Uh, and it's like a 10% chance where it starts off to get something from them. Now this isn't as strong as being able to just cast a spell or, or whatever, but this is still really, I don't know. I, I think I want to just say it's, it's heavy on the GM and I don't like that where to, to read the part that's relevant for contact other plane on a successful save, which again, you always succeed if casting this way, uh, you can ask the entity up to five questions. The GM answers each question with one word. Yes, no, maybe never irrelevant or unclear. And if the one word answer would be misleading, the GM might instead offer a short phrase as an answer. Five questions every single day that the GM basically has to answer correctly. It's, it's kind of a not fun ability for me as a, as a GM. I don't like that. Um, well, that's why unclear is there. Like, if it makes sense for that patron, then that's even worse. I don't want to, I don't want to take away your, exactly. Now, now I'm 
putting your class feature on the back burner because I don't have a good way to handle it. And those are, are things it creates friction that I just am never a fan of. Yeah. I like our way of doing it where the patrons are for the most part, unless it's something we specifically request accessible and they're the NPC with personalities and motives. And it's like, obviously they're going to know some things and not others. And yeah, it's like, if you don't want whatever we're dealing with to be solved by just asking the warlock page and you just, within role-playing conversations come up with reasons of why not as i've yeah having this weird forcing your hand thing right and like imagine the the warlock who uses contact other plane every day to just completely ruin the mystery of other people's characters i mean oh, take geez, it like right yeah. now you're you're playing the the drake warden and we've got this whole thing where like your your culture is centered around choosing a drake warden comes once a generation and there's all this mystery that your character is unpacking of am i really a a chosen person by the gods or is this all just made up and if right now our warlock could just ask their patron who has zero connection to any of it like hey what's the deal with this is it this and then just keep playing 20 questions it, it would mm-hmm. absolutely just, I, I don't know. I would throw that warlock out. That's my wife. I'd kick her out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> but this okay. is now not just here. It is is almost expected to do because it's a once a day ability. The expectation is you are using this every day and you are getting information that is supposed to help you. I, I don't know. If I'm blowing this out of the water ple- or out of proportion, please tell me. But like, I, I feel like this is just a terribly put in class feature. The answer is yes, fun. but also no. It's you know, this is either broken or it's useless. Like I, like I said, because you can just say no five times as the DM. You don't have to be honest. <laughs> you can just be like no, 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 no. You want to take a long rest and try that again, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Which goes to my other side of then it's just not fun. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it just kind of sucks. It, it, this is a feature. If you want your warlock to talk to their patron, it's better to be done outside of the mechanics of the game. Right. And, and even yep. if you do, if you want to prepare the fifth level spell, contact other plane, at least there's a chance for failure. And then I'm getting a little bit less upset it about it. It's, it is hilarious. It's, it's, it's a like, nasty <laughs> failure too. Because I'm just imagining the the player being like, all right, everyone, hold up. I'm going to go talk to my patron real quick. And then they you know sit down, they cast their ritual, and then they just nosebleed, ears bleeding, eyes bleeding, pass out on the ground. And everyone's yeah, like, bye, bye, there oh. you go. Yeah. Like you, it is, I mean, you have to have a greater restoration spell on on, like on blast just to make sure like if they go down i can at least fix them there's a cost yeah. there's no cost yeah. to this now right also fifth level so the spell slots are just high so it's free one automatically yeah yes has. oh it is a ritual it is okay still still yeah. it's a very high cost even preparing What's the spell is yeah. a high cost yeah all right so then next <laughs> It's just invocations and subclass features up to the 18th level Hexmaster, which Will so gracefully uh, veered us off course to talk about already. But just to make sure that Ellie and I don't have thoughts, uh, Hex spell without expending a spell slot as often as you want. Hooray, you get Hex for free. Boo, Hex sucks. (laughs) It was the 5th edition version where it's like every attack roll adds to it, maybe. 
Like, okay, maybe. I could see it. Um, the fact that this takes concentration, though, still. I say, that's what it always comes down to. Is I still have better things to concentrate on at this level. Mm-hmm. And if you can't find something when you've got access to ninth level spells to concentrate on over 1d6 extra damage per turn, yeah. then I think we're playing very different games. Yeah, like I'm already running into that issue with, um, and my ranger with favored foe. Like I specifically didn't take Connor's Mark and try to use favored foe. I was like, no, this still takes concentration. I want to concentrate on something else. Yeah, and I, I can very happening. much see at maybe 11th level or so, I may throw you a bone and give you some magic item that removes concentration on favored <laughs> foe because I like favored foe. I like the concept of it, but I'm with you. It's like you just, you get to that point where you're like, okay, I've only got so many combats a day. I've only got so many high level spells per day. And I kind of want to concentrate on those rather than anything else. And the the concentration problem in, in D&D is, is real for players. I'd say it's probably one of the, the biggest choices you make on a regular basis. Yeah, very much. And now that they just busted off the limitations of Warlock, being that they have so many spells, the Mystic Arcanums, and the full Arcane spell list, we kind of didn't go into that. Yeah, that is important. It's just oh, the way yeah. everything works now. There are no spell lists anymore. There's a lot competing with Hex, whereas yes. back in the day, it was a little more like, oh, Hex is a good, reliable fallback at later levels. Now it's just like, it's dog shit. There's so much out there. Even looking at the just like ninth level spells, again, what you will have access to probably only once per day, but you'll also have an eighth level, a seventh level, a sixth level, whatever. You've got options for concentration. I mean, true polymorph alone is going to beat out Hex every single time. Yeah. They could have made this 18th level capstone. At 18th level, you get rid of the hex spell. You can never cast it again, and I wouldn't have noticed. So that is the full class. Any full thoughts on on that before we get into the the fiend subclass? I feel like we did a pretty good job throughout of cool. covering that. Was, yeah, this is getting long. Let's uh move on to fiend. Wait! Oh, well. <laughs> Ooh, <there it> just <laughs> 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 i'm remembering why things. i don't let you drive me around yeah <laughs> couple of things to go over uh eldritch blast being a warlock spell means that it's no longer a dippable thing it levels with your warlock oh that is super important. oh yeah being the we're the multi-class channel uh hex is the same way not that it matters uh repelling blast <laughs> can no longer shoot everything back 10 feet i know <laughs> it's no only large or smaller no more pushing Asmodeus back <laughs> literally pushing your own patron into a pit of lava <laughs> and he's immune to fire damage but it was just yeah just, yeah. just to show stop, that you stop <laughs> yeah <laughs> why did I give you that <laughs> I take it back <laughs> but other than that yeah no there's not a whole lot so they did they did tweak a few things that were just a little bit broken. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. I would like to see some additional tweaks to the invocations. Some of them aren't worthwhile as invocations. I mean, I I still cannot see a reason to take otherworldly leap. You can cast jump on yourself without expending a spell slot or material components. I don't care. Yeah, I, I'm a ninth, a ninth level prereq. Yeah, ninth level or higher. Are you kidding me? I think what I want to see are a a half invocation 
uh, rework where some things that do just give you a first level spell, give me a little something else on the side. Whispers of the Grave, I think is an easy one to go off of. You can cast Speak with Dead without expending a spell slot. Okay, how often am I casting Speak with Dead? Maybe I'm using it in a weird world once per day. I don't know why I am using it once per day, but let's say I am. Then great, I've got Speak with Dead. I had to spend an entire invocation to get there. Totally not worth it. Maybe though, if that was you can cast speak with that without expending a spell slot. And once per turn, you can add one D six necrotic damage to your cantrip or melee attack. Okay. Now I might take that because now I don't have to concentrate on hex and it's given me just about the same thing. Obviously that's more of an issue with hex, but regardless, I think they should look at some of these that are giving you these just first level spells or even up to fourth level spells and consider a little, little extra spice on top of them to make them feel worthwhile. I, I agree with the concept. That specific example, I think it's a bit much because like you have entire class features that do that. Like, um, not, it is an entire class feature. Invocations are entire class features. That's true. Okay. So, I mean, but that's either fine. way, we, though, we, yeah, yeah, we, we don't, we don't to... need a, yeah, we're not balancing this right now. I'm just, <laughs> right. um, yeah, I like the, I like the design idea. Yeah, like disguise self, you can cast it without expending a spell slot that's mask of many faces. How about we also get, actually, I think that one's a lot of fun and that doesn't have any prereqs. But I would I think throw a lot of these are a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I think getting like minor that's illusion dope. or something would be cool. Something, right, just something yeah, else. I don't know. I, I feel like it's, while yes, you're going to take it, it still just doesn't feel like it's got so much weight to it that I'm like, whoa, this is this is going to be used all the time. I think this will be worse when they inevitably power boost these with a new infusion of invocations like they did previously. And you're like, oh shit, these are dope. These new ones yeah. are crazy. Yeah, that's but I guess what I'd like to see avoided. <laughs> but we'll see. All right, let's get into the feed patron. There were a good bit of changes here, starting off at third level with patron spells. So the patron spells replace the expanded spell list. Uh, I'm just going to read the design notes here because I think it summarizes it perfectly. Rather than merely expanding your spell list, patron spells gives you certain spells that you always have prepared. And once per long rest, you can cast one of those spells without a spell slot. Uh, the list of spells has also been updated. So that is pretty huge. Instead of more yeah. known spells, you get more known spells and additional spells cast. Well, it wasn't even known spells before. It was spells that you were allowed to pick. You're right. You're right. Like, it was even worse than that. It was such a stupid feature. Like, I, I yeah. Um, this is a lot better way to handle it. They, just like, because it's so common of cast. It was like, you pick the subclass. Here's these special spells you just have. Yeah. The, um, the spells on the, oh, did you have something to add? I think we were about to say the same thing. Yeah, the, the, the free spell, the free once per long rest. So it's, it's one of your prepared spells from this feature without expending a spell list, spell slot. Um, I One thing I don't like about that is the fact that as your list obviously expands, you're still only limited to one from that list, which feels okay, uh, but you're getting stuff at 3rd, 5th, ninth, 13th, and 17th. All of the spells are pretty good. I don't think there's any like big... I was going to say there's no big stinkers on there, but stinking cloud ah! is at ninth level. So <laughs> that smells bad. <laughs> um, suggestion has situational use, but I don't worry about situational ones when you get one of them for free. That's actually just kind of nice. Um, I don't like flame strike being on there. Flame strike does fire and radiant damage. And this is the fiend spell. It's taken from the, the, 
priest spell list. What is that called? Divine. Clerics? Divine spell list. Thank you. Okay. Um, so I think that's super weird. Also, Flamestrike just kind of isn't great. We've talked about that in the past as well. Um, but otherwise, I, I think this is a pretty good, pretty good list. Yeah, solid list. Uh, Dark One's Blessing is also at third level and has a pretty nice boost here. Um, so before it was a when you when you reduce an enemy to zero HP, uh, you gain temp HP equal to your spellcasting ability modifier plus warlock level. Now it's when you or and just any enemy drops to zero HP within five feet of you, uh, you gain temp HP. There's tons of times where Will, when you were playing a fiend warlock, where you'd be like, nobody touch this one. If you touch this one, I'm going to be pissed. I need to finish the kill. Uh, and that's just not always great gameplay. It was funny, no. but not great gameplay. And this jives actually really well with the Pact of the Blade. When you're in melee combat, this is going to be procking way, way more than if you were standing in the back. So... And you're going to need it more when you're in melee. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dark One's own luck can now be used number of times equal to your spellcasting ability modifier rather than once per rest. Uh, Dark One's luck has not changed otherwise. When you make an ability check or saving throw, you can use this feature to add a d10 to your roll. You can do so after seeing the initial roll, but before any of the roll's effects occur. Um, I think this is good to tie to spellcasting ability modifier to make sure that it's not as multi-classing abusable like with proficiency bonus. Overall, mm -hmm. good change. Then we've got Fiendish Resilience. So this is channeling the preternatural resilience of fiends. You can choose one damage type other than force. Whenever you finish a short rest or long rest, you gain resistance to that damage type until you choose a different one with this feature. Um, this design notes no longer bypassed by magic or silvered weapons, which monsters almost never possess. Also, you know what monsters do this. possess now? Force damage. Force damage. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. A <laughs> That's a good point. So this actually could almost be viewed as a, a nerf from that perspective. But it's, it's so no, hard it can't when you're choosing a damage it's, type. It's not a nerf because it's an entire reevaluation of how damage works in the game. Yeah. So everything is subjected essentially to this new force paradigm. I don't know. Yeah. You got rid of magic and now it's force damage, which. That uh, might come up more with our barbarian discussion. We'll see. Because uh, that obviously affects them, the whole force change. Then lastly, we've got Hurl Through Hell, which is like the coolest class feature ever. Uh, so when you hit a creature with an attack roll, you can use this feature to instantly transport the target through the lower planes. They disappear and hurtle through a nightmare landscape. At the end of your next turn, the target returns. If the target is not a fiend, it must make a wisdom saving throw against your spell save on its return. On a failed save, the target takes 10d10 psychic damage. On a success, it takes half as much. Uh, so it used to be you could only do this on a long rest. Now it's once per long rest for free, and then you can expend a spell slot of at least fourth level to use it again. You can only do it once per turn. Yeah, and they added a save for damage before it's all just automatic. Oh, yeah, that is pretty big. Yeah, um, yeah. And makes sense. I, I don't think this mm -hmm. should be just free. I think the fact that it's free to get a target out of combat for an entire round is plenty. It's actually kind of nuts because Banishment is a fourth level spell, which is theoretically a minute concentration. But you can just, the DM has ways to say, no, you can't do that to this enemy. Right. <laughs> they don't actually have that with Hurl Through Hell. 
You just nope. Even if it's the big boss through hell. Sorry, buddy. Yep. Now you can do it again and again and again and again as long as you have fourth level spell slots. Which you're not yeah. gonna have a ton of. Which but. you're not gonna have a lot of, but you can still. That's it's just such a good ability, and now that you can do it more than once. It's just so it's so cruel to your DM. So at 14th level, you have one fourth level spell slot. So you'd be able to do this twice. Then at most, you get three fourth level spell slots. Obviously, you can use a fifth if you want to. Uh, there's no benefit to using a fifth, though. So you can get this four to five to at most six times a day. But you know what? Six times a day, 10d10 damage taking an enemy out of combat for an entire round without a save. That actually sounds pretty worth it, even up to high levels. But this is a subclass capstone, so I I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm on the fence. I, I think it's good. It might be a little bit too powerful, but... I've never once looked at a Warlock feature and said, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, with the theoretical, you can do this six times in a row. If you have one big bad enemy... It's going no, to hell. Me. Six he times in a it. row. There's nothing it can do. Yeah. I, I think my gut tells me that that wisdom save should be beforehand and that the damage just happens regardless. Uh, and then if they succeed, they don't get hurled through hell. But I don't know. That's actually why hurled through hell was so friggin' cool is because it never didn't work. Right. Every single time you did it, they were hurled through hell. Now there's a save for damage, but they're still hurled through hell. It's still cool, but you're right. They kind of being able to do this over and over again. is just, it's just mean spirited. <laughs> yeah. Overall, I really like new fiend. They just tuned up nicely. It's not a complete redesign. Um, they just like each level's really solid. Now it feels like, and you just get cool stuff. And now this is, this is a character I would want to play. A fiend warlock who picked pack of the, Pact of the Blade, sporting medium armor, dual wielding weapons, up in melee, attacking things, and they get a bunch of like um, AOE fire spells to hurl out when needed, regaining temp hit points, being able to reroll save or add d10 to saves. It just it feels like it would be just a, a solid class, class and concept that feels good to play. Where before the fiend felt like a little, eh. Yeah. A week, like you know, you didn't get much at the first the first level feature because you had to reduce, and then just the, the expanded spell list versus actual spells known that sort of stuff. Yeah, I fully agree. I think this is just a, an overall increase across the board. The only thing I have any hangups on is the the hurl through hell power. But yeah, as Will said, there's nothing like there's no such thing as a warlock feature that's too powerful. That's just fact. <laughs> I think that their their eight their seventeenth level ability or eighteenth whatever should be that they just get wish. That would be ridiculous as a capstone, wouldn't it? It also should be a cantrip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems valid. All right, that is it. Is I'm not surprised this turned into a longer one. The warlock is such a tangled mess of spaghetti. Uh, thank you, as always, to our patrons. Uh, your names are in front of me and I am delaying for different reasons thank you as always to our patrons Cameron C Ed G Craig A Brian H Isaac M Jeff W Sarshnobi McKinnon T Vincent M Barents, Bob F 
Gray, Joe P, Muddleweight, Rick D, Synthel D20, Tyler S, Adam A, Rob K, and Sir Laugh-A-Lot. You all are fantastic. And if you want to check out the Patreon, you can get early access to episodes like most of the time. Uh, and if you want to support the show in other ways, head on over to monstersmulticlass.com forward slash support where you can find our wonderful affiliates like Fanroll Dice, where you can save 10% off your dice order by using the code MM10, Dice and Dice Accessories. They're all really, really pretty. Go check them out. Uh, and I think that's it. Yeah. As always, thanks for watching. <laughs>